In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a, it's not a Browns win. I nearly said it. It's a victory Monday. It's not. I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian. Right, right, right. Jack. Tell us, how do you feel? How are you feeling after the Washington loss? I, I, to be fair, I don't really care about the result um, of these preseason games, but I, there was lots of positive stuff that I saw, um, and I, I, I'm feeling in a really, really good spot about this roster. Um, the biggest news this week, more than the game, was actually the Shelby Harris signing, and we've now filled that last hole on the roster. That was really the only thing. And it's nice that we're sat here and there is no dispute in the, the starting 11 on both sides. In the past, we've done shows, Paul, where we're talking about, can we claim someone off another roster and they play meaningful snaps? The other teams around the league are sat there going, who are the Browns going to cut? We could probably get a guy off this team because we're the talented guys that people are looking at our part. So a really, really nice spot to be in as a team and uh, very different from what we're used to. I'm sat here predicting practice squads, for crying out loud. We finished and wrapped up the 53. Ian, how did you feel about after the game? I think it was pretty much what we expected, right? The first half was more of the offense was just going to try to be the offense. The defense was just going to run situations. You know, like, for example... Do I really think Stefanski on that fourth and goal on the opening series would have run the ball in a game? Probably not. I mean, I would hope that you'd put the ball in the hands of your $200 million quarterback. But in this case, I think they just wanted to see, you know, that play in that situation. So again, the first half was exactly what I thought it was. Then it was, of course, DTR and the boys out there trying to win the game for us, which is what I was looking forward to. Uh, But yeah, kind of like Jack said, it's what we thought there haven't really been a crazy number of surprises. I mean, can you think of any guys outside of, you know, I think the guys we knew that were going to be good are good. I mean, Zadarius Smith showed you that he still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. I highly doubt you see much of him the rest of the preseason. You know, he's obviously playing in the practices now, but for the most part, there hasn't really been a ton of surprises. I'd say one thing that um, surprised me. Oh. Our two DTs, and it's only 13 snaps. So I'm not going to blow it out of proportion. They both played as well as each other. And it wasn't a great showing from Jordan Elliott and certainly not from Dalvin Tomlinson. Now, to be fair, though. I'm sure it will get better. I was going to say, if I'm Dalvin Tomlinson and I just got paid, like, what's your job really in preseason? Not get hurt. That's your job. Jordan Elliott, that's kind of water is wet right there. That's par for the course. I mean, he's pretty much playing right at his career average. Hey, I'll take a 60.0 grade from uh, Jordan Elliott this season on PFF. One thing I did read from your article, Jack, was your, you did an article for 24-7, I think it was, or OBR, who stocks up and who stocks down. Yep. Um, there was co- some conflicting um, comments with Nathan Segura. He mentioned that, is it one, Thornhill had a good game, 
and you said maybe his stock was going down. What I watched, he missed a tackle. I remember watching the night. I was like, oh, come on. You know, you're a uh, you're a big player here for the Browns. You shouldn't be missing that tackle. And But everyone else was bigging him up, but you actually put him a down stock. And I, I would back you what I saw on that tackle. I thought that doesn't look like a first-team uh, performance. Yeah, no, it, it felt very much like the old Cleveland Browns. Uh, two missed tackles. Um, but I, I'm happy to chalk that up as he'll get it sorted out. Um, but yeah, it certainly needs sorting out because you can't be doing that. Um, so yeah, let, let's just hope it's a preseason blip and we haven't got like the second coming of uh, Ian's best best friend, Andrew Sindejo. Hey, Sindejo hey, didn't miss tackles, all right, buddy. What was, did you Paul, know, just, Ian, did you notice it as well? So what's funny is in the, in the first half of the game, we had like a little group chat going on the thing. And I said, well, Thornhill can't tackle. Like that was my only takeaway from the first series defense. And he was targeted twice in coverage and both times it was co- completed. So he was 0 for 2 in terms of tackles. He had two missed tackles and both passes were completed against him. Now, in saying that, you do hope that it's like, all right, it's preseason. Thornhill got paid. So he's like Dalvin Tomlinson, probably not out there, you know, wrapping up like it's the Super Bowl. So that's kind of what you hope. At the end of the day, do I think that Juan Thornhill is like the second coming of, you know, Jesse Bates? No, he's not. He's he's better than what you had, but you have to set expectations. You know, I think he may be a better follow on Twitter than he is than Brown's Twitter or putting him in the Hall of Fame for Brown safeties. Hmm. Um, how do you want to break this down? Do you want to go through office? Offense, defense, or uh, yeah, Jack, how do you want to do this? I don't think we need to go too deep. I think it's worth touching on a few different positions um, that where there's still sort of questions, things going on. I'll um, start with running back. I'll throw it out there. Hold my hands up, provided Ford's going to be back sort of week one, week two. I feel pretty fine with Felton as an RB3. I, I think he's had quite a nice preseason. He can do a little bit of receiving, he can do a little bit of return game. Um, he's looking a bit more like that explosive player we saw a bit in his rookie season. Yeah, the Browns used to have a guy called Jamel White who played this third down back role pretty well. Over the course of the the painful years of Cleveland Browns, he was one of the players who were like, that guy's not too bad. Felton reminds me a little bit of him. And I think you're right. You're talking RB3, passing down situations, third down situations. He's got to get a little bit better in pass pro. I think a little times he, you know, I think I mentioned in game one, not all that great in terms of picking up blitzes and stuff. So a little bit of liability there because you need your third down back to really be good in pass pro. But for the most part, he runs the ball hard and he does more than John Kelly does. So for the most part, I think Hassan Hall solidified his place on the squad. And uh, you're going to be looking at, you know, John Kelly maybe on the practice squad, but I think RB3 is going to Felton, barring some sort of, you know, major shakeup. So, are we all happy that Jerome Forbes number two? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm okay with it. Um, I, th- I think you could definitely do better. And I'm, I'm disappointed in a way they didn't go out and sort of find a, a UDFA and put some money on the table there. Because I think if you're a UDFA, it was a good spot to come to. There's only sort of one sort of solidified back. He's got two years potentially left, great O-line. It's where you would assume you'd want to be as a UDFA, and we didn't get any of those names um, out there. To be there. fair, though, Jack, 
camp cut down comes down, there's going to be a few of those guys out there. There's, you know, and listen, I know that they want to have a zoom call and, and bitch about it all they want, but at the end of the day, there's going to be some solid, decent, you know, one cut UDFA running backs. They're going to be available come camp cut down. So if they really don't like what they see and they want something different out of Felton. They could find somebody. That's not all that crazy. Wide receiver. Fingers crossed. We're all hoping Goodwin can get healthy. And then he is your sixth wide receiver in that room. And it's all sorted. But it's trending towards him being on the non-football injury list, which is different to IR. Um, and he'll be back later. I think we discussed it on the show a few weeks ago. Um, but Darden, I would say, was the favourite. But Austin Watkins... He might be 24. He's continuing to look really promising. And if he can stack another two games like he's done, if there's no Darden playing, I, I easily see him taking that spot, provided good wins not healthy. And fingers crossed, blood clots and everything, we hope it works its way out. Yeah, it could be almost the tale of two different styles of offense. Because right? we've talked about Watkins. This guy's 6'3". He's an outside guy. right? So we're talking about Cooper, DPJ, Tillman. right? So you kind of got those three already. Inside, you're looking at more. I thought Bell had a nice showing for himself in terms of being able to get open after, you know, our boy Hayden kind of had a weird tweet during the week in terms of his shiftiness. Um, but if you're looking at Bell and more on the inside, those four guys on the outside, I'm including Watkins in this conversation. You know, Schwartz is obviously the wild card there. I didn't see much out of Jalen Wayne, Mike Harley, but you could definitely tell they were trying to get the ball to Austin Watkins. I think he led the team in targets, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what you're looking at right now. You're looking at a guy who's going to kind of come in for that wide receiver six, but Jack, as you know, he's going to have to dominate on specials. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see more specials. Is he even going to be active on game day though? No, but I'm saying if he wants to at least have the chance of that, he's going to have to do that in specials. And Guys, remember, remember, this always happens every year. We've got too many wide receivers. Week two, we've got two wide receivers out there and we're bringing in everyone left, mm -hmm. right and center. On that same train of thought, Elijah Moore, I think there is a genuine concern that he's taken literally his first tackle of the preseason and boom, he's out um, with a rib injury. Probably if he was during the season, they'd be more likely to be playing. But it's one that there it is concern there. There's a smaller frame. It's not Debo Samuel sort um big boy out there. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty funny comparison. I'm like, uh, Elijah Moore's 170 pounds. Let's, let's not confuse that. Yeah. But that, that is one just to keep in mind that I think it's one where we could see him a bit banged up, especially if they're asking him to be a bit like a fake running back. Um, Here's a question. Who's... um. Who's uh, returning for us? The pump return and uh, um, kick return. Jack, did you see your boy John Kelly? Remember how he talked about in the Hall of Fame game, no snaps on special teams? I think he had a couple on kick return and punt return. Yeah, so I think he got five. Yeah, I think they're putting him on that that row now. Um, My guess would be uh, Felton. Felton, right? Felton, Felton and then uh, Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant, I saw him this week at practice taking that type of stuff because he's your wild card, right? So you're talking about that wide receiver six. I think it depends on what the Browns are going to want to do, because if they're not really a fan of Darden, you're not going to put Elijah Moore back there. You're not putting David Bell back there and you're not putting any of those receivers back there. They may say Jakeem Grant is that slot mix because he's bigger. Like he runs stronger than Elijah Moore. So he did, he did it for the bears he used to line up in the backfield. So this is a guy, I think that if you're looking for that type of role, 
I wouldn't be shocked if he gets that spot wide receiver six over Austin Watkins because of his ability to reverses out of the backfield and his return. There's your special team side. Wouldn't rule out DPJ. I know I wouldn't want to see him back there, but I doubt he'd be too keen on it. Yeah. So on offense, anyone else, like, I guess we could quickly kind of get to game balls on this one. Did you see anybody else on offense that kind of stood out or, you know, I don't want to say made a name for themselves, but, you know, did a little bit more than you expected? Luke Whiteclub playing nine snaps at left guard was for me very noteworthy. I haven't gone back and watched those nine snaps yet, but it always been the case that if you're talking about a 10th O-lineman, it would have been the fourth guard and then you would have two for every spot. But if he can fill in there, because even if it is just the second line practice squad squad sort, um, having a second um, offensive line, there is potential to keep Nick Harris, which I didn't believe before that. I still think they will trade him off, but there is a route they keep three centers, three guards and four tackles. Just just something to keep in mind. And fingers crossed, still no news on Harrison Bryant as the third tight end. It's a medical issue. It's not a sort of an injury issue. It's a medical issue. So there's no transparency around what it is, but that could be one that rolls on for a little while. Yeah. Just going off of a recap from our hall of fame, you know, I think we thought that the offensive line did pretty well going back and revisiting that. I think we had another good showing. I think Harris really, I don't think there was much pressure in the backfield all game. Um, Most of them. I know that they had a lot of snaps to Wes Martin in that left guard position, um, so I think they're really trying to find out what they have there. Jed Wills only had 12 snaps. So for the people out there that want to kill him, like calm down, it's, you know, it's 12 snaps. Uh, but Whipler, Yeah. I think that was an interesting one, seeing him a little bit there in both guard and center. Dewan Jones, who's obviously been the kind of butter uh, or the, what's the word I'm looking for? The princess. So it's not the princess What the, like the guy that everybody in camp talks about. That's whatever all of you out there are correcting me. Yeah. Whatever it is, the bell of the ball, so to say. A um, little bit of a drop back in terms of it. I know PFF graded him out pretty well in a pass blocking type of application, but overall, I think he's showing you that he still has a lot of development to go. But at the end of the day, Nick Harris played well. Wyatt Teller was in there. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the highest graded O-lineman was the backup left tackle Tyrone Wheatley. So he was out Hall of Fame game. So this is the first time we saw him out there. 41 snaps, um, thought it was pretty good in terms of, you know, what he did out there on the outside. Yeah. in terms of game balls, um, I, I'm not going to go with Watkins. I thought Watkins played great. So mention that, but I'm, I'm going to give one to Miller Forsell. I thought he's come in short week um, because he's only recently joined the team. And I thought he played really nice. Um, gives me, I think he has that spot. If um, Harrison Bryant is going to be out. Um, and I think he's got a great shot, spot to get the practice squad. Spot. It'd only be if you want to try develop Mitchell Payden, who I don't think is going to develop into anything. Um, but Michael Dunn was asked to come in and play left guard because Petonio didn't start the game. Um, he looks he looks solid. Um, I'm I'm still going to bang the table. Potential starting right guard for 2024. Yeah, I think of all the guys, honestly. I was not all that impressed with Watson. I know everybody wants to be, but there was three checkdowns low, two to the tight ends on option routes. He did more running and passing. I don't want to see that in preseason. Like, I really don't. But I thought Kellen Mond, honestly, I thought he looked pretty good throwing the ball. You know, he completed some passes down the field. Um, I think over the middle, you know, he had some big chunks. I thought his decision-making looked a lot sharper than it did 
in the Hall of Fame game where I think he looked a little hesitant. Not saying that he wasn't taking the underneath passes if they were there, but it was nice to see him at least throw some down the middle and actually, you know, like push a defense. I think he finished what, uh, 12, uh, seven to 12 or something like that for like 80 yards and a touchdown. So overall, I thought Kellen Mond, you know, DTR is DTR. So I've kind of set the standard now for him, but I thought Mond was at least a surprising face. So nice job out of Kellen. We had a little chat off the, uh, the the pod about four quarterbacks, which we can get to if we're coming in there. But, you know, I don't I don't know how much more there is to really say about this game. It was kind of an ugly game to watch. Hopefully you guys got to sleep and didn't have to really endure it much. Bizarrely, I woke up in and out of that game. And I and I remember Joe Thomas talking about Ronaldo, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo in soccer. Mm-hmm. And so I then text Joe Thomas go last night. I wasn't sure if I was dreaming or um, watching the TV. Did you talk about Ronaldo or not? And he replied saying, yeah, I was talking about the uh, statue. How about his wife liked the statue so much? Yeah, it was a pretty bad one, but maybe like Juan Thornhill, you were just buzzing in and out of the, uh, of consciousness <laughs> during that game. But no, I think uh, defensively, Obviously Hickman had the two picks, no offense. They weren't exactly all that tough. He tracked down the one deep ball and then the one is thrown into coverage, but you know, Mo Hurst, you know, I think he actually showed a little bit there. Um, I think he had the lone sack of the, uh, the game, right? Like real sack. I can't remember if there was any other ones. Didn't Togi I have one? I think Togi I may have had one too. I don't remember, but yeah, other than that, I want to see the, I really want to see the Browns defense against the Eagles this week. You know, that's what I really want to see. You know, I don't think Washington really threw too much at them. So there wasn't really a crazy amount to take away. Jack, have you been following much the the practices? How's the defense doing against the Eagles offense? Both defenses are playing out of their minds. So um, that's been really positive there for that side of the ball. Um, it's one that there's there's been knocks, but no real serious injuries. There's a, probably a concussion for Conklin, but in the grand scheme, but who cares? We're not going to yeah. see any starters playing um, in this game. Um, DTR's Gar- going Garrett, to get the first half. Garrett and, and Ward both left practice, but both of them were back today, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, two things we didn't discuss on the offense was Dobbs. How do you think he played? It, it weren't great, but it don't really bother me too much. He, he is what he is. They, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get steady Eddie. Um, I don't think he's going to light it up and do some of the DTR stuff, but he's also, if you if you were ahead in a game, I think you'd want to bring Dobbs in. I think if you were behind in a game, you'd want to bring DTR in. And I think that's kind of potentially a question they're going to ask themselves is what do you want from your backup? Do you want to hold a lead or do you want to throw a wild card because you're behind? Yeah, I think I think Dobbs was out there kind of in the Watson camp, just running second team offense. I'm not going to pull too much away from it. Is he going to play on Thursday? Did they come no. out and officially say it? So, so he's out. First so half is DTR. The second, second half, half go to Baker because it's Kellen Mond. Gotcha. So there you go. I mean, I got that. I think Dobbs, I think he's playing his role nicely. Yeah, I don't think he's in danger of going anywhere either, if I'm not mistaken. Just based on his contract, I don't think he's going anywhere unless they trade him, which they'd the have to trade now. him. Yeah. yeah. So, but outside of that, I mean, offense, how's the offense looking? I, I read a few things that uh, the Eagles defense was picking the ball off left and right on Watson. Do we, I know the end of the second practice was finishing up here. So, 
Cade York went six for six, Hall of Fame. Woohoo! We can talk about that in a little bit. Cade, he's got to step up. Here. But just just on the defense and a couple of position battles, obviously we've got a couple of injuries. Um, and I th- thinking more on it, I think Alex Wright and Thomas will probably both head to IR. Um, they'll do some roster gymnastics to get them both there, but they'll keep them on the 53, then IR them, just because then you can bring them back during the season. Because what might happen is your week 10 and Okoronkwo goes down. It'd be nice to elevate a Thomas rather than relying on whichever slob is on uh, the free market like Jeremiah Martin or something like that. Because that, w- that wouldn't be pretty. Isaiah Thomas isn't a world beater, but better than that. So um, that's one I would look to. And the Hickman versus Bell battle, I'd said special teams going to be a big factor, and I was leaning a bit more to Bell. But then someone mentioned their age to me. Hickman is 21, Bell is 26. So it, it feels really good that Hickman's probably going to get that spot just based on that because the ceiling's only going to get to a certain point. Um, and yeah, Maurice Hurst looked good. I think that he would be one that, if Wright goes to IR, they might keep Hurst around for the first five, uh, four weeks into the bye week. So um, just just wants to keep an eye on thoughts that have come into my head. Yeah, we got two more games to kind of iron out that defensive, you know, line depth and how that's going to rotate out. You know, you're going to have a couple more injuries, I'm sure. You know, a couple more practices. It's nice to see that even in these physical practice practices with the Eagles, nothing serious. I mean. I think even Conklin's was like a precautionary that like he wasn't not diagnosed with some, like he's going to be out a little while concussion. So yeah, it's good to see that, you know, I remember a few years ago, one of my favorite quotes and I forgot, I want to say it was Zach Jackson. We did this, uh, the shared practice of the joint practice with the bills. And he goes, either the bills are going to win the super bowl or the Browns are the worst team in the NFL. So it was like, there we go. So this week I know that there's been each side kind of getting their wins here and there. But, um, you know, there was a rap I saw with Dewan Jones and Brandon Graham. You know, I think they're working on a little bit of the outside bend there. So it's good to see. I think, you know, both coaches, Sirianni and Stefanski, have a lot of respect for each other. There's no doubt that they put together a program and a plan for what they want to see. You know, I did see that one of the Eagles beat writers was chirping at, you know, the Browns, which is kind of funny because Browns Twitter unites around nothing other than the outsiders talking shit. If an outsider says anything... It doesn't matter if there's Sashi Wars or anything. They all unite to just crush this person. So it's funny to see that. And then he was tweeting loads of friendly stuff about Cleveland. His mentions must have been so destroyed that he's like, I'm just going to just absolute brown nose the hell out of this, this lot. <laughs> Charlie Fry, I love you. Mabels, I'm coming to you. No, no, it's not a mistake, by the way. But yeah, no, it, it's good also that I like him competing against good teams. You know, if I was the Ravens and I'm going up against commanders, I'm like, Ugh. Or I'm like one of those teams that's going up against kind of a schlub team. I don't know. I kind of like the fact that, you know, you're talking Chiefs, Eagles. You know, you're talking about two decent teams that you have to prepare for. Because even though you're not playing Patrick Mahomes, they're still well-run organizations. You know, that was that guy's shot that the Browns are kind of a, a shitty run organization. But I think they even surprised them that it's really not the same old garb. There are at least adults in the room. And, you know, I know that he was saying that Watson was making some nice passes in seven on seven. So... I think the Browns are at least on track this off season to be in the mix, right? We don't have to worry about suspensions or anything else like that, but you know, we're just wanting to see, you know, it's nice to see like the Ronnie Hickman bell battle, right? That's the type of stuff we're watching. Not who's going to be our starting left tackle. You know, there are some people that think that we should have a battle for the starting left tackle. That's beside the point. Should have picked a different position like left guard. 
a, a right tackle. That's the that's the hot one now. Um, so I guess the the skeleton in the room that we need to discuss is a certain position called kicker, and uh, our boy Cade York. So just just to set the scene, because I think it's worth setting the scene. He had thirty two kicks last year, and he finished with a seventy five percent average for kicks, which um, puts him ten percent behind the league average. League average is 85% for all kicks. Obviously, he was asked to attempt some longer ones than what some other kickers might attempt in the past. In the past, we've had kickers that we wouldn't have ever attempted over 40 yards because they're not good enough. Um, whereas we were attempting 60-yard kicks for Cade because he has the leg power to do it. If Cade York was league average, he would have needed to complete three more kicks across the entire season. That's it. Just three. So he's not actually that far behind. Um, he is definitely under average and can get better. Um, Justin Tucker last year was only 86%. So three kicks more and he's equal with Justin Tucker in 2022. Um, I think it's one where he needs to do better. It's bizarre that in practice he is phenomenal and hits basically 100% and then he gets to the game or pressure situation and he hits 75%. Um, we don't know the answer for that. Um, but it's one that if they're going to make a move, and some people have said, oh, bring in some camp competition, let him fight it. If you bring in someone now and you want a genuine competition, you're bringing in an absolute slob that's not very good. And the reason for that is if you go out and you want to sign a Robbie Gold or someone, you're going to have to give him like one and a half million guaranteed, which doesn't make it a competition. It makes it a replacement. So I think whatever the decision, you run it the next two weeks, give him these final preseason games, see if it sorts itself out, and it's always one that during the season you can then turn around at any single week and go, oh, we'll bring in this guy. And you can get average kicking talent. And they're chasing with K York, can they get top eight? That's that's what they're trying to chase. It's why they made the draft pick. Um, who knows if they'll get it. But if you're going to bring in a replacement, don't do it now. Get these final two out of the way and then look at guys like Nick Falk. Nick Falk has a 92% kicking average over the last three years. He is likely to be a free agent because the Patriots drafted somebody. So those moves can happen, but do it in free agency and you can trade for him. He's got 2.2 million on the contract. It's not nothing that big, um, but don't do the move now. People are calling for the wrong moment. Um, but yeah. Jack, Ian, a, lot of people, a lot of people in, uh, in the world would say that John Lynch is a good GM, right? 49ers GM. Yeah, they're wrong. Did, didn't they draft a kicker? Didn't yep. they? And, and, and they didn't they him. cut... Didn't they cut Robbie Gold so Jake Moody, the pride of the scum of Ann Arbor, can go up there and kick, and then he's shanking them left and right? Listen, here's the thing. The reason that York can go six for six in practice is because mechanically he's sound, right? He he has a strong leg. Like It's just – it's like me on a driving range, right? When I'm on a driving range, I – I'm, I can hit the ball straight. It goes where I want to put a little left to right bend on it, right to left. You can do all these things. Then all of a sudden you get on the course and you're looking at things a little differently. It's not a practice field. And you start having these mental things kind of take over, right? The ball's a little bit heavier in the pros as it is in college. And he's still kicking it, you know, 55, 60 yards. Same with Jake Moody. It's one of these things where you have to develop a rhythm and a routine, right? And that's why I, I kind of said in jest that, there may be situations where Stefanski wants him to try these long field goals. And, you know, I think he's missed what a 46 and a 49 yarder. He needs to be automatic inside of 40, right? 
I will allow one missed extra point for the entire season. That's it. You need to be above 97% on extra points and you need to be automatic. Justin Tucker, like anything inside of 40 yards outside of that. I need to your point top eight, right? Which is going to be your 85 to 95% on everything over 45, 40, 45, right? I don't have some expectation that he's going to go four for four banging from 62. It's just the angles. I, I, I don't want to go that far into it. It's just one of those things where he just has to do it. Just keep kicking. Just keep kicking. The league is out there. Brett Maher is missing him, right? So guys are going through this thing where it's just a little bit different. Just let it go. You don't need to be the, to- I, I had to laugh at the world going nuts on Tony Grossi laughing meme thing or whatever it was, but yeah, it's not that big of a deal. He's going to get it ironed out. The kicker kingdom will thrive once again. Paul, are you going to be with me in leading the kicker kingdom through a dominant season? No, I'm uh, I'm team Cade York. There you go. Kicker kingdom, baby. Um, Someone said, have you looked at this, the stats of our punter holding the ball? Um, It hasn't been very good. Where Everywhere he's been, the kicker has had lower percentage kicks uh, versus their career percentages. So there is a lot out there and concerns on Bjorkwes, Bojo, but experts in kicking have looked at it and said there's no issue. I think Pat McAfee had a piece on it and said, look, there's no issue with what's going on with the holding. Um, And if there was an issue and if they thought what's going on with Cade York is the issue of Bjorkwes, he would be gone. They would not be keeping him around. There's no guarantees in his deal for this season. They could walk away from him, and they haven't. So I don't feel that there's any fault on your quest because they would rather punt five yards less every time if it increased their um, field goal percentage by 5 10%. So they would have zero concern making that move. Um, I, I think it is purely in Cade York's head. And can he get that sorted out? No, no one knows. Um, Daniel Carlson. Missed three field goals to start the second game of year two. And he was cut by the Vikings after they drafted him. He has been, three years ago, he was number three kicker in fantasy. In the last two years, he's been number one kicker in fantasy. I know that's looking at total points production versus efficiency. His percentages are still up there. And I mean, and that's right. And listen, way before McAfee, when he was in the, uh, is still in the league, I was punters or people too. Holding is a big thing. It really is. However, it's hard because not every kicker wants the ball held the same way. So I think that might just be anecdotal that Boraquez, you know, this guy was lower. You don't know. There's probably a lot that plays into that, but I haven't noticed anything from a hold. Also, York's misses don't look to me becoming from a missed hold. It kind of looks like he's not following through on the one shoulder. Like in this last game, he left it out right. He just didn't bring it in. That's all. It's a simple movement of the upper body. It really, to me, didn't look like he was not kicking a solid ball. You can always tell a bad hold by the trajectory of the ball. The ball is overcocked one way or the other. You can't kick it in that direct rotation. So I haven't noticed anything about York's ball flight that would lead me to think that Boraquez is the problem. And you will not get any other breakdown in the, any other podcast like you would there when it comes to holding, kicking, and the path of that ball. So McAfee, if you ever need anything, call me up, text me, brother. I got you. We've got the depth for kicking and punting. Absolutely. Undrafted free agents. Jack's 
What Jack? What would you say yours is? Cap space. What? Oh, what's well, my thing? Yeah, Ross- it's cap space and roster building. Both of them because they oh. the two are linked together. So, um, a game born of defense. Are you gonna to? You gotta give it to Hickman two picks, right? Even though they were kind of cherry picked, easy picks, I'll give it to him. Nobody else really did anything stand out. Mo Hurst, maybe with the sack. You could give it to him. I also like the belly rub dance. I think that's kind of cool. I could give him that, even though he's a Michigan guy. But who are we? Who, I will say the one guy that I was a little bit disappointed about, and I want to see more of him, Cedric Tillman. I know he, you know, he had a ton of snaps, which I kind of thought, but I'm going to need to see a little bit more. Like I kind of want to see him getting the eight targets, not Austin Watkins. Like I kind of want to see what Tillman can do. So coming into this Eagles game, especially with DTR, you're going to see Tillman, former high school teammates, obviously. I want to see how that offense moves. That second team squad moves with DTR. I want to see the receivers. I think probably we'll see Watkins running with the late bit of the twos, probably, and then into the threes going into the second half before finally getting into like Mike Harley, Jalen Wayne time. But yeah, I want to see a little bit more from the receivers. Obviously the Eagles have a decent defense. Um, but also, I would like to see, because if the Eagles said whether their starters are playing? No, but I would assume it's going to be the same gig of neither team's going to play playing stars. Gotcha. Well, I know coming off the joint practice, a lot of times they don't like to push them, but um, I think Marcus Mariota is their backup, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to see. That's he's cute. at least an NFL quarterback. I'd like to see kind of what the Browns defense does against him. So Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, I believe for you guys, we get the privilege of the Browns-Eagles, but... I just want to see something built off from the last game, right? We're going into this game. I want to see the O-line. We know the Eagles have a depth at D-line. I want to see the O-line standing strong. I want to see the ball move. I want to see DTR moving the offense. I want to see Kellen Mond moving the offense. There are some of these preseason games where teams are hanging 20, 30 points. You know, we, we at this point have yet to break 20. All right. So let's kind of get the offense going. I'd like to see some points. And I have a, I just have a, a hunch York's, York's not going to miss this game. He's going to go perfect from both extra points and from field goals this game. Book it. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. I think that's a wrap. Anything else you want to discuss, Jack? No, I, th- I think that's there. If if you're an absolute degenerate and want more Browns content, um, I've dropped an updated 53-man roster projection, and I've even done predicting the 16-man practice squad because I'm that kind of freak. Four quarterbacks, that. right, Jack? No, no four quarterbacks. No one. We'll, does we'll that. discuss this next show, but it's it's going to be Watson, Dobbs with an asterisk for the trading potential. DTR is going to be quarterback two B, and Mond will be our practice squad. Write that down. And don't you dare, don't you dare steal the welfare money and clothes from my kids. Um, I have been watching quite a lot of NFL this weekend. I watched the um, Johnny Football documentary. Uh, I learned a lot from it. I never knew what he did so successfully in college, which is why the Browns drafted him. And uh, yeah, I, f- I found that documentary very interesting. How do you find it, Jack? I thought it's really good. I've really enjoyed like all the untold um, series. There's great ones in there. So um, by all means, go and watch them and enjoy them. Um, my, my standout one is the Danbury Trashers, which is where a sort of second-tier ice hockey team was bought by a mob boss for his 17-year-old son to run, and they literally just kicked the crap out of everyone. It is brutal, 
Um, but it is so much fun. So um, go and watch that one after you've watched Johnny Football. Boo, Johnny. Other, th- other things I've been watching this weekend. Hard Knocks. Have you watched it? I watched episode one. I haven't watched two yet. Jack? No, I don't watch it. Oh, Jack. That disappoints me. Jack, Jack uh, has his opinion of Hard Knocks that I do of Johnny Football, the D-bag story. Um. How did you find the program? It's all about Aaron Rodgers, obviously. I was going to say, episode one that I saw was literally Aaron Rodgers has this reputation in the media and we're going to dispel that whole thing. But as you guys know, I've long been a fan of Rodgers. I just love anybody that kind of gives the old to everybody. So big Rodgers fan. And I kind of, the personality you see in that episode one is pretty much who I envision Rodgers to be. In the final episode... Is he going to take Zach Wilson's mum out for dinner? That's all I want to know. Come on, Jack. This is I mean, not a uh, Tinder-sponsored podcast. It could be worse. I mean, they could play the Washington Commanders, and maybe uh, Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend, who's now dating the guy from the Commanders, shows up. I mean, we could really make Hard Knocks fun. Uh, seriously, though, um, anything that you learned from it at all, uh, Ian? That the Jets have the preseason hype train in full bore, full bore. I really like Garrett Wilson, obviously Ohio State guy. I still wonder about some of those other additions they have there um, well, in terms of good. the offense. I, I will say I take a little objection for people saying Brees Hall is a star. I mean, the guy is like 400 yards rushing and 200 yards receiving in his career, and everybody's like ready to put him in Canton. But I mean, listen, the Jets... I mean, I think they went out and just absolutely beat the pants off the Panthers in the second week. Um, but at the end of the day, like they're in a tough division. I will, I really want to see them up against like an actual NFL team, you know, before I start like crowning them. I don't want to go full Dennis Green, like crown them. You want to crown them? Crown them. It was nice to see Joe Thomas mentioned in Hard Knocks and seeing it as the other side against the Browns. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, I, I don't want to go too deep into what else I watched this weekend. I did watch Baker versus uh, Steelers. Yeah, nice touchdown pass. Shake and bake, yeah, baby, shake and bake. Tell, tell you one he thing I've enjoyed this, this weekend. Everyone in football just sticking two fingers up to Liverpool because they are scum. The Blues. Um, other interesting stuff going on with NFL. I saw JJ Watt on Sky News or Sky Sports talking about Burnley. I then saw Tom Brady is one block from my house away at a hotel stand. Uh, there is a real massive merge at the moment or pivot with American fo- football and soccer combining at the moment. Have you noticed that, Jack? Yeah, it seems to be one of like, what better way to get your brand of a football club awareness in the US than like give 1% to Tom Brady. I don't know if that's what they've given him, but like 1% and just use him for publicity. Um, it makes a lot of sense um, because effectively he's going to give you more brand awareness and advertising than you're going to get for that 1% if you spent it in cash. Yeah, it's an advertising thing. It's the Wrexham, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney type of thing. They're just going to parlay off of that. Get some names in there. I mean, LeBron was part owner of Liverpool there for a little while too and so, I mean, what the, um, the guys who own Tampa Bay Bucks own Manchester United too for a while, right? The Glazers. Yep, that's yeah, correct. So, I don't know if they still do. Yeah, I don't think they. I think they sold it, but yeah, that's They're the thing. Is, there's it. always been 
the money. You got to follow the money. So, but all right, everyone, enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, we'll hopefully be back over the weekend to give you the post game on that one. Probably take a little bit more away from an Eagles Browns game, even with DTR and Mon, than that Commanders game. They're really just All right, guys, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.